Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see all of you this morning. Happy Sunday. And for those of you who have children, eight, 18 and below, there is a service up in the lighthouse for you. So if you're in the wrong location, uh, just head on up there. But it's really great to be here this morning. Uh, I really appreciated uh, the Gregory's communion. That was a really powerful, powerful time. So let's give them a round of applause for sharing their hearts. Really appreciate you guys. It's always great to hear James share and of course, his wife, Jackie, really, really appreciate them tremendously. Uh, we're going to celebrate. We're closing out our Therefore series. And so we're going to move on now into the foundations, celebrating the core doctrines of our faith. So for the next seven or eight weeks, you're going to hear lessons and messages about the core doctrine of who we are and what we believe as a church. And of course, Jesus is who we align with there. First of all, I really appreciated Jeff's message last week, Kendall Alba's message the week before, Jordan Massey's message before that. I really admire these brothers and really respect them for the depth of knowledge they have and the tremendous heart they have for God. And the thing that they really, really aspire to every day, and I've learned so much, and of course, all of them are younger than me, okay, I have to say that, but uh, even though I'm their elder, uh, I really have learned a tremendous amount from them spiritually. Jeff is a great, great uh, orator. He's a great supporter of really helping me to grow in my faith and my delivery of the gospel, and so I really appreciate that. The thing about the foundations, of course, you know, it's that time of year uh, as a coach is that's what it is. I didn't want to use football illustrations, but it's appropriate for this. So I was trying to move away from that. But I have to talk about foundations from that perspective. Because really what you're trying to do is you look at training camps, you look at different things during this time of year. Teams spend months in the heat in the summertime just really trying to lay a solid foundation. And they're trying to lay that foundation in order to really help their team to continue to live out the principles of their scheme and the principles of their program every week. And so it's in anything that you do, you build a foundation. You know, Diane, you know, she builds a foundation in music. Da, 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 da. You know, she does that. You know, all that kind of stuff. So, so you know, if you're, if you're, I'm sure if you're in IT, computers, there's basic things that you do so that the biggest thing is you prepare for those things, not when it's going well, but when things are tough. And I think that's why it's so important to build a relevant foundation for God. Because there's so many things that we hear, so many things that we come across in this life that really makes it difficult at times to hold on to your foundation. And I think we are naturally unspiritual creatures. I don't know about you, but I'm naturally unspiritual. Okay, I'm not naturally a spiritual person by nature. You know, my heart, I love God. I love people. I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I love what it stands for. I love how Jesus sacrificed his life for us. But every day, every day, I must meditate and I must connect to the foundation of Jesus. So as a body of believers, we want to celebrate our core foundations. And we want to make sure that we're connected to the head who is Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's get a God in a word of prayer. Dear God, we love you. We thank you so much that you've given us a basis to have a strong foundation. God, you've rescued us out of the dominion of the darkness as we shared during communion and brought us into your wonderful light. We are so grateful, God, that we have a foundation that we can hang our hat on. God, times where we are struggling, where things are difficult, where things are unexplainable. God, you've given us Jesus, your Lord, Father, uh, for us to be able to hang on to and build a deep relationship with. Father, I pray that you help me through the power of the Holy Spirit 
Spirit to really help our brothers and sisters continue to be formed spiritually in the nature of Christ. Father, help us all to grow in that, God, in a powerful way. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and move on here. Okay, I've got the clicker. It's on. There we go. Awesome. Foundation. There's a couple of words here in my studies that really are powerful when it talks about foundation. There's one in the Greek and one in the Hebrew. Demilio, base, keystone, substructure. Hebrew word is yasad, equals something that you build upon like a basement or set of written policies or yes, even makeup. <laughs> that's really, that's kind of that's interesting, you know. Recently, I, uh, I went for my company. We did a, uh, you know, we did sort of a shoot. They wanted me to do, first of all, if you're in the arts and you're in television, I really respect you. Hats off to you, okay? Uh, it's really amazing. I mean, I went up to Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee, and did this, uh, um, you know, this whole shoot. It was a commercial. It was 45 seconds, but it was like eight hours. I mean, just, just amazing. And, and, and the lady who did my makeup, and I wish I had a picture of it, it'd be awesome. She put me in this like leopard stripe sort of, you know, canvas thing and, 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 and put on makeup, built the foundation on me and kind of like, it, it was really awesome. I wish I had a picture of it. She did Dolly Parton's makeup, so I felt honored, right? She, you know, it was really awesome. So she, she did Dolly Parton and I got, you know, it's kind of cool. So my face wouldn't shine. I mean, I felt so special. I said, man, I look good on camera. This is great. You know, but it's really kind of cool just, uh, you know, just building that foundation. You know, that's sort of something you do. I watched my wife this morning. I love her. She's putting on her foundation and she looks beautiful. Amen, sister. I got a fine wife, man. She's just awesome. <laughs> just tell you all that right now. I'm still attracted. Joke is bad. You know what I mean? So, amen. But, uh, but uh, really, uh, in all those seriousness, the milio is interesting. It's the theme that God wants us to understand. And so when you look at, you know, what is our foundation as a church, okay? First, we got to have conviction. Lordship of Christ, right? Living a pure life regardless, imitating Jesus at all costs. So that Luke 9 principle, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Just at all costs, really understanding, hey, look, Jesus is the center of this. And I think it's really important for us to understand that as I move along, that Jesus is the reason for the season, amen? I mean, it's really, really important for us to understand that. And the other thing is core, one another relationships. That has to be at the core, you know, in terms of us being able to support ourselves as a collective community as we fight for this spiritual foundation in Christ. Amen. The other thing, though, here's what's interesting, though. What affects our foundation? Disputable matters. Discipleship partners, you know, some of us from the past, and we're part of our old, you know, the movement, we understand there was, there was some things that were sort of abusive, if you would, in that posture, right? Some things that didn't go as well as it should have gone. So some of us have some, you know, residual PTSD when it comes to hearing that word, right? So we understand that. But the key thing is, what's the core? One another relationships. Finding people who can help us in our one another relationships. Worship preferences, You know, if you study the history of the Church of Christ, churches split over the fact that instruments were used and instruments were not used. And so that can really, really impact our foundation. That is something that affects our foundation. And of course, the big P word, politics. You know, that thing is just a disaster. It's probably one of the most challenging and difficult things in the religious Christian environment in terms of how we view politics. 
and how it affects us in terms of our worldview and how we see each other. There was a brother I remember several years ago, won't mention his name, was super encouraging. It was a great conversation I had with him. And he said, hey, bro, you know, the thing, I, I, I just want you to know, and he approached me and came up to me. He said, listen, even though we may see things different politically. Now, if you rate me on a scale of one to 10 where I am in politics, it's probably a one. You know what I mean? I'm really not, you know, I really think more about right and wrong, about how people are impacted versus a political posture. That's just my natural bent. So that's kind of how I think about things. I want people to be taken care of, but I, I want to see it done through the eyes of Jesus. But he said to me, hey, bro, you know what? I really appreciate you, man. I, I just want you to know we're very different in how we see things, but you are my brother in Christ. And because you're my brother in Christ, you and I are going to have a good relationship. And I thought, man, that's just really awesome. And I won't talk about what political bent he was or where I am, but it was just really good to hear a brother share that with me. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why don't we turn there? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's obviously some issues within the church. And Paul, he comes in and he's really trying to help the church and its leaders and the brothers and sisters in the fellowship. And he's really trying to help them understand what foundation they're building on. And he says this. He says to them, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Amen? So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any other than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Man, that's a great passage. And it's challenging. Because, you know, you look into the religious community, oftentimes you see that many times people, you know, unfortunately, to some, to some degree, Christianity has become personality driven. It becomes how that person makes me feel or how this particular thing makes me feel or how that church makes me feel. And Paul's like, well, wait a minute, guys. You know, when we're not following people, we're following Jesus. And the reason that's so important is because every single man that leads a church is a sinner saved by grace. And so it's so critical. And I appreciate Paul. And Paul is probably, he's smarter than all of them. I mean, he studied, he studied, you know, obviously the Old Testament law. He, you know, Gamaliel. I mean, the guy, the guy just really was a brilliant guy. His heart got converted by the power of the Holy Spirit. But what he's telling the church, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should be 
should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I think what's really important for us as we build the foundation in Jesus is give ourselves a lot of grace. Give ourselves a lot of grace amongst each other and give ourselves a lot of grace as we walk with Jesus on a day-to-day basis. I think that really helps us to not be so judgmental. I mean, get it. I've been there, man. I've been there where, man, leader or someone has gotten me really frustrated and I've wanted to leave and wanted to do different things. And I can remember years ago, I had a distinct conversation with my wife. I told you, not only is she beautiful on the outside, but she's beautiful on the inside. And I remember I had a distinct conversation. She's like, well, he's not Jesus. Well, this is not about the leader. It's about Jesus. He's the one who's helped us. He's the one who we live for. He's the one who died for us. And I thought, wow, that is really powerful. It is not about people. It never has been and it never will be. People are imperfect. Look, I do, the thing I appreciate about the brothers I serve with and the honor to be a tent maker evangelist who is not supported by the church financially, but gets to do this and share with you is how much I am so proud of the brothers of how much they want to lay a foundation that's solid on sound doctrine. But do we make mistakes and can we frustrate you and frustrate each other? Yes! All the time! You know those people who get on your nerves? I know nerves is a, you know, you know people get on your nerves. If you don't know what nerves mean, it means agitation. <laughs> and you know those people who get on your nerves. And here in the first century, these people are getting on each other's nerves. And Paul's trying to direct them. Stay with it, guys. I appreciate Jeff's message last week. Those of you who are here, praise God, we're imperfect. But what's the foundation built on? It's built on Jesus. It's built on Jesus. He's the one that does it. And I know this sounds like, quote unquote, status quo, but it really is true. And if you meditate on that and understand that, and we understand that as a body, God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. That's what he says in Ephesians 3.20. But it comes through unity and it comes through grace, lots of grace with one another, lots of grace with ourselves. And I'll be candid with you. I don't know as a foundation, we've talked enough about grace and the Holy Spirit. Because I think those two things in conjunction helps us. The fruit of the Spirit helps us to see things with the right perspective. And grace gives us the opportunity to continue. Are you guys with me? Those two things have to work together for us to build a foundation that's connected to Jesus. And as a result of that, the byproduct will be we'll have a church that's flourishing to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. A foundation is based on God, produces a steadfast faith, life, and allows us to be living examples to others. Dig your spiritual foundation deep. Develop deep faith. Building a sure spiritual foundation means investing, inspecting, and ensuring the foundation is maintained, and God has given us the instructions to do that. And what are those instructions? Those instructions are sound doctrine. Now, I've been working on trying to pronounce this Greek word, so forgive me. The first one has been challenging, but it's hygienousi. And the other is didiscalia, didiscalia, okay? The root for the first word is hygiene, okay? So doctrine is right, correct, sound, and without any error or perversion. Also can mean healthy and nourishing spiritually. Sound doctrine 
sound doctrine is accurate scriptural teaching on theological truths that lead to the spiritual health and transform, transform lives of individuals and the church. Sound doctrine is accurate scriptural teaching on theological truths that lead to the spiritual health and transform lives of individuals and the truth. The thing about sound doctrine, when you're building a foundation, it has to be sound. It has to be rooted and built on the Word of God. Now, I know we all know this, okay? We all know that doctrine has to be sound. But one of the key things about it is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, let's look over in that passage real quick. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Bible says here in verse 16, now, of course, Paul is helping Timothy, a young minister, you know, he might be in the age category of our campus students, you know, somewhere in that 19, 18 to 22 year range without a fully developed frontal lobe, but he's trying to follow God. Amen. <laughs> he's trying to lead the church. Notice, but it's scientifically proven, right? So he's trying to, he's trying to help him lead a church. You know, he says things like, do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, set an example. You know, he really tries to help them. But one of the passages that really resonates with me, he says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Then he says, persevere in them. Because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Right? So he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere. Let me talk about perseverance for a second. If you repented okay, from someone who may have had a highly promiscuous lifestyle or someone who really struggled with drugs and alcohol or someone who struggled with some, some, some self-esteem issues or whatever, you still have to persevere through that in your life. It doesn't mean that it automatically goes away. It means that when you drive down the street and you see something that may have triggered you, you look the other way. If you drive down the street, okay, and you look, then you need to confess it and pray about it. You know, all those things, because the Bible says, hey, if we say we're out sin, we're liars, okay? And we don't live by the truth. That's what it says in 1 John, okay? So the key thing is, in watching our life and doctrine closely, is making sure we're transparent in the areas where we fall, okay? Pick ourselves up and keep going again. But the key is being transparent. That's how you persevere in your life. You don't persevere and say, I'm going to grit and bear and get it through, you say, no, I'm going to get the appropriate help, whether it's a brother who has a foundation of Jesus in him and say, look, let me confess this. Let me help this. And then if it goes further, I get professional help. You follow me? That's the level of perseverance that we have to have. And then he talks about doctrine here. Doctrine is not dogma. It does mean an element of dogma, but it means that it's healthy and nourishing spiritually. It means that it's restorative. It means that it helps us to be fiercely formed in the image of Christ. It means that when we deliver the message of Christ, that people see Jesus in us. They see Jesus in us from the level of humility, how we live, how we walk, and how we love. That's the life and doctrine. That's how it all aligns with itself. And I think that's really critical as we are building a foundation as a spiritual family that we align those two the things together. You can't just have the doctrine. Everybody hates religious people right? And for Paul, what he was trying to do with Timothy, okay, okay, what he's trying to do with Timothy is Timothy is faced with some real challenges and some real theories that are going on in the first century. 
You know, that's why he says to him, look, they, they claim, claim God, this is my paraphrase, but deny his power. Gnosticism was big in the first century. And so because Gnosticism was so strong, Paul's trying to help Timothy to have a solid foundation with what he, how he lives and what he believes. You got to have those two things working together. Are you guys with me here? For the first century, Christians, it was Gnosticism. For us, we have a couple of things that are going on that I want to talk about. One is postmodernism, okay? And it's postmodernism is something that some people, some scholars believe started sometime in the early 1970s. It may have been before. Some of the references that I saw as I was looking it up was somewhere around the early 1970s, late 1960s, something like that. And it may be something that's very, very, very relevant on the college campuses, but what is the main idea of postmodernism? As a philosophy, postmodernism rejects concepts of rationality, objectivity, and universal truth. Instead, it emphasizes the diversity of human experiences and multiplicity of perspectives. Does, does postmodernism believe in God? Postmodernism considers that there are no universal religious truth or laws, rather reality shaped by social, historical, and cultural context according to the individual place and or time. You know, when you look at a country like the United States of America, you think, wow, one nation under God. You know, when you look it up, if you look in terms of religion, you see Christianity is the number one thing, and then you'll see maybe uh, Islam, and you may see some Hindu or Buddhism. You'll see 30% of the U.S. population do not believe in God at all. 30%. Somewhere in that area, between 25 and 30%. That's a large number. That's a large number of people that are impacting our faith on a daily basis. And to me, now this is a stretch, okay? Instead, it emphasizes the diversity of human experiences and multiplicity of perspectives. I think that's where we have to be careful. I think any opinion outside the scriptures, we've got to test with the word of God. Any opinion, anything that is reflective or appears to be in contradiction to the word of God, my perspective, this is what I believe, and this is what I do. You know, I want to bring up this politics thing one more time. I appreciate in-town ministry. The in-town ministry, which I'm a part of, is tackling some hot topics. Hot topics. I mean, I won't get into them, but they, 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 they are, they're, they're hot now. I mean, they're hot. I mean, they're, I mean they, they're, hotter than, they're hotter than the weather we've experienced. Okay, I mean, they are. So I don't want to mention them here because you may not quite understand it, but their leaders put it together. But one of them was politics. And, 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 and it was really interesting, you know, uh, and I appreciate our brother Matt Ottenwaller. God bless his soul for taking on the politics conversation. And he went around the room and he asked this question. And, I'm, you know, it was really powerful. I hope I got it right for those who were there. He said, what do you feel when someone mentions Joe Biden? What do you feel when someone mentions Donald Trump? What do you feel? What emotional response do you have? And so we all have them. I'm not, my, my mindset, I am not the only one who would or would not have an emotional response. The point is, we have to say to ourselves, what do we feel when we read the Word of God? What do we feel when Jesus died on the cross? Does that supersede our secular perspectives. We got to be careful now. We got to be careful. You know, 
You know, I have these conversations with my wife even. Hey, honey, you know, hey, I, I, I think I want to turn that thing off. We got to be careful. And I'm not saying anything to my wife, but I, we, I have those discussions when it comes to the political piece. And you guys know how it is here. And we got an election year coming up. I just want to reiterate, brothers and sisters, let's build on the foundation of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's not let our perspectives cross into our lives as Christians. Very, very important. The next theory that we have, this is an interesting one. Relative truth. What is relative truth philosophy? Relative truth is conditional, subjective, varying, and contradictory, so it's capable of changing over time. In contrast, absolute truth is consistent and eternal. Its meaning is universal, never changing. That's Jesus. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? That's Jesus. Universal, relative truth changes. Oh, that bird is attractive. No, it's ugly. Two plus two equals four. No, it's six. No, no, I can tell you, I can prove to you it's six. You guys probably hear that on the college camp. No, this, this, this. Look, at the end of the day, Jesus is consistent, eternal, universal, and never changing. And that's what the Word of God does for us. It helps and equips us to help us understand what that's all about. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Check this out. He says this. This is what he says to him. Of course, he's an evangelist, but, you know, it's applicable to all of us. Let's see here. I got on glasses and the lights are still okay, man. All right, check the prescription. All right, here we go. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Why do you go to that church? Why are you going to that church? Why that particular church? Why do you follow Jesus? Hey, college students, persevere in your life. Will all of you be here in 50 years? All of you. I want to see all of you. Will all of us be here in 50 years? I want to see all of us. Because there's going to be many things, many things that we're going to hear. Many philosophies, many theories, many concepts, many challenges that we're going to hear. That people are going to want us. Jeff stomped on the other side of the stage. I'm going to stomp over here. <laughs> people are going to want us to follow their own weirdness on campus. And at the same time, you've got to stay pure and celibate and righteous in your walk with God. Don't let anyone think that a physical relationship is the answer to your problems. It's not. It's not. And it's hard to do, but I respect you guys for it. You guys are awesome. Praise God. Kadinsky, awesome. Okay, there you go. You're single, brothers and sisters. I know. Hang in there, man. It's hard. The one of the reasons we serve in the awesome Thrive ministry, amen, it's incredible is because I have so much respect, not only for the brothers, but for the sisters and what they have to contend with every single day. The challenge, getting hit on, those knuckleheads dealing with that stuff. Man, we want to have a great community where people feel safe and can praise God and love God together. But it's hard out there. Itching ears. Satan's always working for his kingdom. We got to understand that. He's always working. 
And we got to remember, in contrast, absolute truth is consistent and eternal. It's meaningful. It's universal. It never changes. And we got to hold on to that. And we got to persevere through that. And we got to be transparent when we struggle to persevere. Every single one of us gets weak. All of us do. We have weaker moments. We have stronger moments. But at the end of the day, we got to understand what truth is, regardless of what circumstances in our lives, and not listen to the lies. The itching ears on TV, the itching ears in the media, the itching ears here, the itching ears there. We are a body of Christ that love each other deeply. That's who we need to be. That needs to be our model. That needs to be who we are. And if relationships are weird, we need to cross over and build those relationships. Cross-culturally, cross-gender, whatever it is, we need to build those relationships so that we can persevere against the itching ears that's always clawing at us. Are you with me, guys, here? That's really, really important. Jesus never changes. He's universal. He's with us. And so as I close out, I want to leave us with some talking points. Why is sound doctrine so important? Why is it so important? Sound doctrine retells a single story that sweeps through all of Scripture. Sound doctrine summarizes and synthesizes the Bible's teachings as a coherent whole. Sound doctrine is a guide and guard for reading and teaching the Bible. Sound doctrine is God's roadmap for Christian life and the life of the church. Sound doctrine nourishes, nourishes holiness, John 17, 17. Sound doctrine is the ground and pattern of love. What a great family we have. Sound doctrine is the foundation of the unity in the church. Sound doctrine is the fuel for the fire of worship. I give myself away. I give myself away. Man, I love that song. We're going to sing power in a minute. I'm going to sing power. I mean, it's awesome. We're going to sing that in a second. Sound doctrine equips and emboldens evangelism. Sound doctrine fills us up, fills up our joy. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. Building a foundation that gives us that. With sound doctrine, healthy, nourishing, not weird, not dogmatic. And that's probably one of the concerns I had from my past, especially in my household, my kids. I think I was a little bit too dogmatic. I think I wanted it so bad, you know, that it, I didn't present the gospel with a healthy and nourishing feel. And so I'm trying to, you know, undo some of that. You know what I mean? I just, I just feel that that kind of missed it a little bit with that one. So I want to encourage some of us. It's not about being dogmatic. Team campus, you want it so bad for your friend. Hey, you, God calls their heart. You plant water, God makes it grow. We plant water, God makes it grow. As ambassadors for Christ, we plant water. We must plant a healthy gospel so that people can be formed in the image of Christ, not in the image of Kendall, not in the image of Diane, not in the image of Jack, not in the image of whoever. Jack's one of my favorite guys. Jack is just a hero in the faith. But, but none of us, none of us are being formed in human likeness. We're trying to be formed in the image of Jesus. Amen. You know, I read an interesting pillar uh, New Testament comment, commentary I want to share with you guys. You know, I want to share this with you. When God speaks to us in his word, those who profess to know him must respond with reverence, a certain fear, a holy joy, and a questing obedience. So when we respond to God and we profess to know him, we need to be reverent, have a certain fear, not completely fear, but a fear that God is who he is, a holy joy, a joy that's set apart and a questing obedience. There's a few items here for you guys, some scriptures for further study. 
You can look at Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14, and Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. It just talks about solid food and milk. Okay, and Ephesians 4 is, uh, is, is a tremendous passage calling the church not to be thrown back and forth by every wind and cooning and, you know, everything that comes from the world, but that we have an amazing God, an amazing Jesus. Let's build on the right foundations, church. Let's understand that the foundation is Jesus himself, not man and not people. And let's build a church, let's build a church for the glory of God that's built on healthy, nourishing, spiritual doctrine that will make our Father in heaven proud. And to God be the glory. Amen. Thank you.